be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on stag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. Hi, and welcome to the place where the revolution will not be televised. But it may be podcast. I'm John. And I'm Kate. This is the People's Podcast, and today we'll be talking about the season five premiere of The Walking Dead, entitled No Sanctuary. For those who haven't listened to our intro cast, we're just starting out with podcasting, so we hope you'll bear with us through any teething problems, and we hope you enjoy the show. In this podcast, Kate and I will talk through what happened in the episode from beginning to end, occasionally veering off on tangents that take our fancy, and then we'll discuss any especially interesting aspects of the episode in more detail. So... So, we open up with the prepping in the rail cart, mm-hmm. when they're all turning all their clothes and stuff into weapons. I thought that was pretty cool. Well, yeah. I think it was, um, I think that scene was designed to, sh- to establish very quickly and remind people, this is who these people are. Mm. They're people who get shit done. Who they get down tool to up bu- quick. Yeah, they tool up quick. Like, when it all turns to shit, they are making buttons into fucking weapons. That's what yeah, these yeah. people do. Yeah. So I thought it was a very effective a reminder because it's been quite a long time since the last season, yeah. like six months or something. So yeah, I think it was, that was the point of that, mm. you know, to show it straight up, right? Oh, okay. We're locked in the carriage. I also got the How are we going to kill these fuckers? Yeah. I also got the impression, given the way the timelines all ended up playing out, that they didn't have any sitting around in shock time. No. And working themselves back up to it. They just instantly went into completely tooling up. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And it's an interesting... I mean, it's an interesting juxtaposition of the very first scene with one of the last scenes where you see what happened to the people who were there before them. Yeah. The people who were running Terminus, you know, as it was when they arrived at it. That they clearly did none of those things. Mm. Um, I mean, they eventually got out, but... Only after they'd been terribly abused. Yeah, yeah. And you do get the impression they were basically <coughs> sitting around in shock for a long time. Yeah. Whereas... The, well, Huddling was like, it's, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And yeah, they were yeah. just like, right. Team Rick went straight into escape mode. Yeah. It was pretty cool. It was like, right, I need to take the zip off my clothes, use it to saw a piece of wood off that thing there, and then stab people to death. Yeah, that, it's, it's sort of post-apocalypse MacGyver. I love it. <laughs> post-apocalypse MacGyver. And they're all just ways to kill people. Yeah, right? It's not like how to, how to turn these three things into a helicopter so I can escape. No. It's how can I take down the most possible people with my shoelace? <laughs> That's right. So yes, good scene. It was a great scene. I also like, it's, it's something that was happening the whole way through the episode that I really liked is... The relative badassness of the two groups. I think it's actually, it's a, it's a real improvement because for so many seasons, Rick's group didn't learn and evolve. Yeah. You know, they just kept making similar mistakes. And and this is a sign that actually they've, you know, they've taken it on board. They have actually properly changed and formed into yeah. a team of total killers. Or survivors. Yes. yes. I guess it's more accurate. Yes. Well, I mean, the first time we saw signs of, of actual learning was when they took the prison. And, you know, they that extremely coordinated. Yeah. Nobody, nobody's back is not covered at any time. You know, there's a groups of three. Yeah. All backs in, facing out, taking care of each other's business. Although they seem to relapse a little bit, I think, after that. There were some, I think I remember seeing some episodes in which you and I both kind of went, 
they had this shit sorted like two episodes ago. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, I mean, that's that's probably something to do with the writing of some previous episodes as well. And, yes. Yeah. It was interesting because you you basically have the Terminus people having exactly the same in this episode. The same thing happened to them in terms yeah. of the collapse of the security system they've built yes. against zombies. Mm. You have the total collapse of that, mm. and they do not deal with it well. The number of people who are not even armed. You know, all those, all the, the women you see getting taken out by the zombies, and there was no sense that these people could survive if that security system wasn't there. Yeah, that's right. And you remember that the prison had a whole lot of systems in place. When there's a breach, you know, they all knew what they had to do. They all had a place, a designated place to go, a designated weapon to pick up. Yeah. Like, they all knew that what to do when that shit happened. Where these, these people just... I mean, they clearly had systems, you know. The guys with... The, those two guys who were the bushes, mm. when they heard stuff going on, you know, one of them wanted to go out and help. The other one's like, no, nah, no, nah, that's not our job. Yeah. And the guys were up, I mean, they had the elaborate people out there with confusing sound charges. Yeah, yeah, system. yeah. But they had, they clearly had a segmented system. Yeah. You know, they had compartmentalised, like, this is not your area. Whereas I think what Rick's group has gotten to grips with is the idea that we should all be perfectly capable of killing. Yeah. And we should all be in on the plan. When it yeah. comes time to fight for our lives, we're all fucking fighting for our lives. All of us. And I suppose, I mean, what, what Rick's group is now is everyone who survived the collapse of the prison. But that certainly wasn't the whole group. I mean, mm. that whole busload of the sick people was mm. off. And mm. So, you know, they're sort of post-cull. Yeah. Whereas what we witnessed was the Terminus cull. Yes. Okay, so there's the tooling up scene, and then we go into the slaughterhouse. Oh. As soon as I saw the basin, I was like, I know what that's for. Yeah, yeah. That I know what it's for. for. That is for catching blood. When they slaughter them. And did you see the tubs? I didn't notice what all of them said, but it looked like they said stuff like, you know, brains, guts, those big blue tubs for chucking out the uneatable parts. Oh, I didn't notice that. (laughs) Not okay. The awful. Yeah, right? (laughs) This is what we feed to the dogs. And just the scale of it. The scale of it. Like, that was a massive slaughter tub. Yep. And a massive set of, you know, disposal bins. Yeah. Although, I mean... I suppose it's possible that they rinse it thoroughly, but the basin was very clean. Like, yeah. it, it, I, it wasn't blood-stained at all. Like, there wasn't blood on the floor, there wasn't I blood guess, around the if, basin. if they are preparing this shit for their food, they'd want to be keeping the area very hygienic. That's true. Like, it's not just a... That's true. It's not just And actually, when thing. they were hacking up that body on the, um, I don't know, some sort of trestle table thing, like, when, when Rick and the others were walked in, you could see them chainsawing the legs off of this body... I did notice one of them had, like, a bottle and was, like, washing the blood away as yeah. they were doing it. Yeah, it was so almost surgical. It was quite surgical. Actually, I wondered if the bottle maybe was not just water, maybe it was some kind of disinfectant. Maybe. You know, like a, you know, one part bleach, maybe, and four parts water. I'm going to say, chainsawing up your bodies in a post-apocalyptic fuel-poor world <laughs> is pretty wasteful. <laughs> it is. They need a dude with a hacksaw, <laughs> and that's all they need. Could you imagine having to like hold onto someone's leg and then saw through the bone? Well, I can't, but people can. It's a thing you can do. In well, fact, doctors that's what doctors do used to do to amputate. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just had lots of fuel, or maybe they were just idiots. It wouldn't be the first time we'd encountered idiots in this it seems, world. It seems flashy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a little show-offy. Exactly. 
It was interesting because the, the, the tongue and the slicing, it was all creepy. Um, and then Bob tries to convince them with the whole, we need to get to Washington plan. That was a truly an act of desperation. Right? No one would have believed that shit. You know what I love, though, is they all believe that shit. Like, they're <laughs> buying into this crap. <laughs> and they try and say it to these people at Terminus, and they just look at it like they're crazy. Well, I, I mean, it's the context in which he's saying it as well makes it seem extra crazy. That's true, that's you true. You know, like, he, he's literally about to have his throat cut. Yeah, yeah. You know, of course he's going to say anything. We've got a unicorn! Yeah. <laughs> I know where I could like, go to a magical land where everything's made of food. Yeah. You know, it's just crazy. So I was interested, they, he opens with that, nothing doing. I was interested in how much they cared about the bag and what was in the bag. Yeah, well, I mean, they clearly they have survived by taking the resources of other people. Mm. That's something clearly that they're very geared towards. You yeah. know, they've got a room full of... Like, itemised different... Like, here's all the toys we've picked up. Here's all the guns. Here's all the jewellery. Can you I know, say, on very... that, this is my independent coming through. <laughs> How many kids do we reckon have survived in this this world, really? Well, we've only seen, like, three. Well, yeah, and of them, one. And how many of them were carrying around stuffed toys? I don't know. I mean, depend- yeah... Why do they have a... T- like, they had a massive bench table... Yeah. ...full of various stuffed toys. I just don't see how that's one of the things they're acquiring. I did say it was a pendant thing. Yeah. I mean, they're not huge tough toys. They're only little. Well, some of them were pretty big. But mm. even the little ones. Who's carrying their teddy round of the kids who've survived this far? Well, if I was ten and I still had one toy, I'd hang on to it. Maybe. I guess I never really cared about stuffed toys even when I was a kid, so maybe that's it. Well, I think that puts you in a minority case. I think it most does. children do it have does, them. But I feel like I would have done better in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> yes, but that's not actually happening, is it? <laughs> What's your point? <laughs> My point is is that it, the world now, which is what their world was then, yeah. was full of children who liked their stuffed toys. Fair enough. Fair and probably would have grabbed one. I just wonder about how, many of, those, how many of those kids are making it to Terminus via the entrapment plan. I mean, but we don't know how long they've been doing this for. No, no. And how how far into, you know, the apocalypse are we now? Like, what's the guesstimate? A couple years. of years. Yeah. So, they could have, if, assuming that the Terminus people, because they, they used to live there, mm. and, and apparently it was a haven, they actually meant it, and then, you know, these people turned up and, and took it over and then they took it back from them. Mm. So assuming that that first bit where it was a true haven occurred fairly early on, they could have been doing this for 18 months. That's true. Yeah, look, yeah, I suppose so. And I think, and I think the main reason they had a bench full of toys was to up the horror of what they Well, of course. Oh, of course. look at how many kiddiewinks they've killed. Yes, of course. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, like I said, I know it's a fairly pedantic point. So the bag thing kind of made sense. I guess he seemed pretty certain he could get the bag information by, you know, just... But his thing, threatening to kill Bob when they've all been taken in there to be killed. What sort of threat is that? Well, I mean, that's that that's a very rational way of looking at it. And the thing is that when you're staring imminent death at the, in the face, 
most people will say anything to delay it even a little bit. Fair enough. That's the reality of what it's... In most people, your instinct to live... Is very strong. Is very, very strong. And most people will say anything in order to live a few seconds longer. Fair enough, fair enough. So, uh, we have the face-off. We have Glenn's multiple imminent deaths. <laughs> he is a lucky fucker. <laughs> I know, right? he, was, he was the T-ball a number I of know, times. like, baseball swing back. Oh, what was that noise? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I better stop now. <laughs> and then we have the mortifier and we go into the new credits. I saw a, an article online that was, um, you know, it was, it was like, oh, you know, not long now until season five starts, you know, mm-hmm. it was published like yesterday or something. And, you know, it was sort of theorizing about Terminus and what was going to happen. And the author wrote, has Walking reached the point now where walkers aren't the primary danger anymore, it's other people. And I'm like, Are they two years wasn't before? that like season two that that happened? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the walkers became part of the environment quite quickly. They are an environmental hazard. Meeting one other human is far more dangerous than meeting three walkers. Yeah. The author of that particular article had not been paying attention for several years. This is true. Probably they got assigned the article. Probably. 20 minutes beforehand. (laughs) By an editor who wanted to hop on the Walking Dead bandwagon. That's right, and they'd never watched it before. Yeah. Okay, so we come back to Carol and Tyrese walking the tracks. And i got to say, when we see the very first zombie for the season... I feel like the makeup department were just wanting to remind us all that they are amazing. Yeah. Because that first zombie with the half-melted face, that was impressive. It was. I was very, very happy with that. Yeah. I mean, they did amazing work the whole way through, as always, but I just felt... Melty face zombie? (sighs) Just just... reminding you all, we get awards for this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) By the way, makeup department for the win. Just (laughs) incredible. Then they come up with the worst hiding plan ever to hide almost in plain sight, ten feet away from the zombies who've definitely already seen them. But luckily the gunfire drags the zombies away. Yeah. Have the zombies definitely already seen them and were coming after them? Some of them had definitely seen Carol. And they were hiding in the path of the zombies. Like, even if they thought they'd gotten out of sight, wouldn't you hide out of the path they're definitely going to take? Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know, I just felt like it was a terrible hiding plan. Yeah, well, maybe it suffered just from the fact that, you know, the director knew that they were never going to... The zombies are actually never going to go over there. Well, yeah, I guess so. It was an oversight. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And maybe it's just blocking, but I felt like it was very... They were lucky that the gunfire happened. Yeah, but I think you can assume that Carol would not have hidden in a stupid place on purpose. You make a very solid point. You know, Carol is increasingly is... the best of the people who are <laughs> I know, I know. She's just... It's actually the very next note I've got. Carol should be in charge of everything. <laughs> <laughs> All the things under Carol's dominion. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, they head off in a different direction. They think there's, there's stuff going down at Terminus. We can hear it. Plus there's zombies on this route. Why don't we go a different way? And they capture Catman. And that was pretty cool. I mean, again, Carol was just incredibly... She was a legend. She just gets down to business immediately. Oh, she's fantastic. When when she left Tyrese behind with Judith and this captive, I was worried. Yeah, although they had their little chat where it implied that one of the things they were discussing was he's having trouble killing at the moment. Mm. Well, he was mm. having trouble killing. So... Not taking along big baby face can't kill mm. on your one woman Rambo mission. Mm. It's probably a fairly good choice. 
Yeah. But not I feel like but I feel like leaving him with a hostile hostage was not the best decision. Like yeah, a hostage so. who who I mean, he said it himself. He wasn't necessary. They didn't need him. Yeah, why not just off him? Yeah. But they didn't know that yet. They might have turned up at Terminus, found out these yeah. people have got like, all of our hostages, maybe we stop them killing them by having yeah, one Yeah, that's true. That's true. So it could be prudent. But Tyree's himself anyway, just like so oh, I'll I'll, I'll I'll leave Judith in the middle of the room and then walk away from her to the other side of the room and then look out the window. Yeah. Where I can't see either the hostage or Judith. I just thought that was really dumb. Yeah. And where I like, look like in view of if, the zombies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean if he needs to do that, why didn't he, for example, take Judith? Like there was a there was a table near the window. He could have taken Judith and then like put her under the table. Yep. Like out of view of a zombie. It's also not clear to me why, given they had enough to tie up this hostage, mm. they wouldn't tie him, him to anything. <laughs> oh yeah. Like why not tie him to the wall or a pipe or something? Um, as I as I said during the show, I thought talking to him was a rookie error. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like absolutely. you know, you don't do anything to make the person you may have to kill more human. Yeah. Particularly if you're having trouble killing people. Yeah. And why wouldn't you have him gagged? And, yeah. and, and, and. So anyway, Carol goes off and makes her poncho of horror. And off she heads to blow shit up. Mmm. She was, I mean, again, very MacGyver. Yep. I feel like the, the entire of Rick's team is, you know, they've done a lot of, you know, adult ed courses at the Y. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Can you imagine Carol walking into the Y? <laughs> In her, like, in her poncho of horror. In her poncho of horror. Just saying, I need to know how to blow up a hundred zombies at once. Furnish me with the items necessary. With nothing more than a gun and a, a firework. firework. <laughs> and a handy gas tank. It was pretty amazing. So, zombies in the compound. And I, did, I, I found it interesting, the mirroring between what was now happening to Terminus mm. and what happened to their their safe zone last season. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty much an identical scenario in terms of destroying the secure space. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when the prison was first under attack, I really had a feeling like, but this is the safe spot, you know, mm. and if this is gone, then, then everyone's fucked. Mm. Whereas now, we're in this situation where they are perfectly happy to jump the fence and get the hell out of there. Mm. There's no thought about trying to save this place because they know they can survive yeah. under a whole range of scenarios. Mm. Uh, zombies into the compound and Carol's in there in her latest zombie chic. <laughs> That's right. I just, I, the visuals of her throughout the entire episode were amazing. Mm. The red hair thing's a good look for her. Yes, it is. I like it. I yep. like it. Meanwhile, back in the in the slaughterhouse, Rick has managed to get his shiv out of his socks and and cut through his binding. Yep, and Rick gets up and regulates. He does. Goodness me, <laughs> he's become very convinced. I mean, think about how aw shucks he was in the first season. Yeah, it's very convincing now. This sort of well, I think it, yeah, berserker I mean, rage, Rick. Yes. I think he turned to Kahorna when Carl was in danger and and he bit the neck out of that guy. And that was him deciding that, you know, the Rictator needed to be a permanent thing. Yeah. Uh, certainly the Rictator's rage needed to be a permanent thing. Yeah, I feel like he finally, found a, he finally found a balance point mm. where he could 
he could access that part of him mm. and didn't have to be a farmer to keep it under control. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm. Uh, Rick regulates, and then um, oh, I, I loved the little cutscene to the people back in the in the rail cart, and they're all still you know filing their buttons into knives and stuff. Mm. But then the uh, then Carl and Maggie form Team Unrealistic Faith. And are so sure that the people who were just taken away. Well, see, that's the thing, though. I was now thinking, engaged in a gunfight. I thought about, I thought about that at the time, you know, and I thought, mm, I'm not sure you've got a lot of basis to believe what you're asserting, but it gives them purpose, you know, like it keeps them focused. Yeah, believing that Rick and the others are going to come back stops them from worrying. Well, that's true. That's true. You know, it actually probably makes them more likely to survive. Because they're not waste like there's literally nothing they can do about it. Yeah. You know. So all they all they can possibly do is prepare for their return. That's true. And by believing that it's going to happen, they, they ensure don't that that about happens. Doing anything else. Yeah, they don't faff about doing anything else. You make a solid case. Plus, if we go by history, yeah, they probably are going to return. Well, plus, I mean, Maggie, Maggie, and Carla probably just noticed that those two characters have the top two billing on the show. <laughs> They've been reading IMDb. The they know team. it's all gonna be fine. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't off the main character. No. <laughs> we then have the very unsuccessful rescue mission where they let out the crazy hippie who's instantly eaten by a zombie. Mm-hmm. That was a little uh, weird. Oh, and then one of my favourite scenes of the episode we have uh, the middle aged lady nut job face off. That was so good. When the Terminus lady was, you know, threatening Carol, telling her to drop her guns. I was thinking at the time, there was that few seconds where Carol's deciding what to do. I was thinking, Carol's not going to put up with this shit. No. No. <laughs> this is not... This is... No. Carol, Carol is, would Carol just is be like... you talk no. for as long as it suits her. Yes. Yeah. That's right. You know, it was, it was like, no, no. Carol will not be having with this. Yeah. <laughs> and, I also thought, I loved the way the woman just... Instantly thought she was going to do better with things like candelabras when Carol's holding a massive gun. Well, I and mean... And clearly knows how to use it. Well, in close quarters, knives and and melee weapons are faster and, and are more accurate even. So, you know, it, it's not totally ridiculous that she picked up a candelabra to hit her with. Because, you know, it was a big gun and she was going to have to fiddle with it a bit to get it. You know, it's just her... It was just Terminus Lady's bad luck that Carol's just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and had the gun ready before she did, before she was. I got the impression that Carol really almost literally beat her with one hand tied behind her back. <laughs> and it's just another instance of, you know, Rick's group are survivors. They're yeah. st- they're really starting to be, like, top-flight warriors in yeah. this world. I also liked how, um... You know, when Carol had the upper hand, you know, had the had the gun pointed at her, mm-hmm. and you know, she went, she went just, she went down business immediately. You know, where are they? Yeah. And then you know, this woman starts rabbiting on about something else. Fine, fucking shoot you in the leg. Bang. Where are they? <laughs> you know, I don't have time for this shit. Yes. Carol's like, like, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> then we, oh yeah, okay. The next scene is the one that I've just entitled Tyrese is useless. Oh, he is. <sighs> Apart from... He's a little bit like like Rick, I suppose. You know, he has this thing inside him. Clearly able to take out ten zombies at once. But he's afraid of it. He doesn't like who he is because yeah. of this part of him. 
And he needs to get the fuck over it because every time he wavers, he puts other people in danger, like Judith. Yeah. And and also, he just needs to be better at looking after people. Yeah, he's now that there are options. <laughs> yes. He is off babysitter duty. Yeah. Because terrible. Yeah. Like in a situation where him and Carl were left together, Carl's the reason those two survive. Yeah. Tyrese just needs to get his shit together. Yeah. I think you're right. I feel like he's on a very similar sort of journey to the one we've seen Rick go on, but mm. he's like a year behind him. Yeah. And he needs to catch up, because as of now, he is the dead weight in this group. And he could be such an asset. Well, That's when, the he, thing. when he lets it out, man, he just rips through his enemies. Yep. He needs to reconcile the fact that he has to be a violent person to be in this world. Yeah. Or yeah. not be, no, sorry, not be a violent person. He needs to be capable of great violence. Yes. Do you feel like maybe what happened with his girlfriend mm. at the beginning of the last season? When she was burned. When she was burned. Yeah. Do you feel like maybe there's some element of him not wanting to be perpetrating violence because of what happened to her? I mean, what do you think's going on with him that he can't do this? I think that's probably got something to do with it. I mean, he, he had to forgive Carol when she told him that she killed his girlfriend and then burnt her. I think part of forgiving anyone in that circumstance involves understanding why they did it. Like, I think those things go hand in hand. Unless you have some understanding of the reason that it happened, I don't think you can forgive someone for something like that. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, Carol was ruthlessly pragmatic. These people are sick. They're going to get the rest of us sick. We actually can't afford that. Let's just fucking kill them. And I think that that ruthless pragmatism is what he's afraid of and is what he's afraid of in himself. Yeah. And that's what he doesn't want to embrace. You know, he, he, he might have forgiven. To become capable. Yeah, yeah. He might have forgiven Carol, but that doesn't mean he wants to become like her. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting watching the commentary last season because it really went quite quickly, I think, from Carol's a monster mm. to actually Carol's choice was pretty justified, or at least you can see mm. it was pragmatic, but that her mistake was actually not bringing the group in on it. Yeah. You know, her, her mistake was not using the system that had been agreed for decision-making. Yeah. Now, this raises the question. The Catman... Catman, yep. We didn't actually see him die. Basically, he said he was dead. Yeah, I know he said he was dead. Yeah. But could Tyrese have been lying? (sighs) To what end, though? Like, just to leave him in the shed? Carol knows that he had a problem killing. She said to him, you need to get over this. Yeah. And if... I mean, he, he, he might have lied because he still has a problem with it and doesn't want Carol to know. Maybe. I mean, and like, it, it's not impossible. If they, if they laid groundwork for it next episode, then yeah. fine. But he, ha- he doesn't really have a history of lying about what's going on with him. Mm. And he seemed to be in a place with Carol where they could be really open with each other about any problems they were having. Yeah, I suppose that's true. I just thought I would raise it because, you know, it's a TV show. Unless you actually see someone die, Mm. you can't assume they're dead most of the time. Yeah. I mean, he could very well be dead, but I just... Raising the possibility that Tyrese may have lied. We didn't see the body. We didn't see the body. Yep. We saw saw him give him, you know, a bloody nose, but we didn't actually see the body. Mm. So, Tyrese is useless, Catman gets the baby... And the, the entire, you know, there's him being sent outside to certain death. Oh no, wait! 
and him coming inside and not killing him. Oh no, wait! And uh, there was a moment, even before at the end, where he said, you know, it's alright, I killed him. There was a bit, I wrote down, you know, you, is beating him to death with your bare fist somehow more noble than, than slicing his throat with the knife? Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure this is a better thing to do. No, I, yeah, no, no, that's, that's what I thought as well. Yeah. I was like, mm, what have been mushy main just to end it quickly? I mean, by the time we got to punch number six, I was like, so we're in brain damage territory now. Mm. No, it, you know, this is not better no. than killing him with the knife. No. Anyway, what did you think of the explanation of the cure? It could be true. Yeah? yeah I mean, the, the theory that the virus that causes walkers was some kind of... Um, biological yeah. weapon, I think, is probably a reasonable one, because I think that if I think that if something like that had occurred in nature, I think what would happen is that is that you know humanity would have somewhere noticed it localized first, like it would have right. had to have mutated somewhere in the world, and we would have sort of seen it there first. Mm-hmm. It seems like the virus is too perfect to have just occurred naturally. Like, it's, yeah. it's you know, it's airborne, trend, it's airborne, it seems to be everywhere in the world all at once. Plus, I mean, by and large, don't viruses... Mm. I mean, maybe I've misunderstood, but natural viruses that kill 100% of their victims don't really spread and evolve and survive. Um, no, that's not... That's, it's, it's the speed with which they kill their victims that's the problem. So, this so they could be 100% deadly, but if it takes 20 years, then that's okay, because it's got 20 years to spread itself around. I see what you mean. It's, 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 if, it's, if it's 100% deadly and takes four hours to kill you, that's not an efficient virus. Yeah. That's, an, that's a virus that will burn itself out okay. before it becomes an epidemic. I quite liked the explanation of, of his cure plan. Mm. Not because I necessarily believe any of the science or what's, you know... But the thing is, I, as someone who is not totally scientifically illiterate, but not a science person, mm-hmm. I don't know enough to say that he's talking bullshit. Right. You see what I mean? And if I'm in the situation of these guys and I'm desperate for this world to be fixed, at least he's got something that's vaguely believable. I mean, if they'd come out with some total X-Files crap... <laughs> I would have been really disappointed. Because then you are in the situation of thinking, I know these people aren't morons. Why are they buying this absolute bill of goods? Yeah. Oh, look, I thought that um, scientifically it was plausible, what it was saying. Like, it wasn't obviously crap. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, I'm not an expert. I've studied a bit of science, but it sounded plausible to me. Um, and I mean, I'm not saying I completely believe him, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if, you know, if I ever happened to meet another survivor who's who's got chops in mm. the same scientific area. Yes. That it turns out he's talking utter bullshit. Yeah. Well, see, the thing, the, thing that, the thing that makes me think it's more likely to be true is that I think that the man-made origin of the virus is true. Right. Okay. And if that's true, then I think it's more likely that the cure is probably possible as well. Okay. I think they kind of go hand in hand. If the government has been working on weaponized viruses... It's probably been working on weaponized vaccines. Sorry, on on vaccines as well. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. So yeah, if it's if it's a naturally occurring virus, then I think we're it's more likely to be false. Yeah. Um, they had staged the escape, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. 
and everyone is ready to go, and they've turned the inside of this railway car, plus their buttons and belts, into a <laughs> into series of entirely weapons. lethal and adequate weapons. Yeah, <laughs> well, Michonne basically... I, I, I think my favourite was Michonne's weapon. It's this double-headed stake thing. That she's turned her katana into. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 not, not a katana. Her katana case. Was that her katana case? I thought it was. I, either way, either it way, was a badass weapon. It was great. And, you know, and they also displayed that if you can get a length of piping, you're good to go. Yeah. Then they head off into the woods. Now, what did you think of, of Rick's intense wanting to go back and kill them all? I think that was the Rictator. You know, being at the fore. Yep. I think that was, you know, his... Rage issues. His rage issues. You know, going, we're going to kill them all. But it was good that when everyone else was like, dude, no. <laughs> yeah, well, I, thought the, I thought the reaction was interesting. That the rest, No one in the rest of the group was interested in that. They all just wanted out. Yeah. And if they had snuck out and this place was still operational and it was still there waiting to trap people into being food... Yeah. For these bunch of psychos. Then I think they probably... I think the group probably would have listened more to Rick's idea. But, you know, it was clearly... That place was The place was on fire. It was infested with walkers. The only people who are left alive are either going to be dead soon or they will have to flee. It's not a place which is going to continue to harass people. So just playing... Turn them into food. Playing the contrary line, then. Yeah. It's It's not outside of thinking that quite a few of those people have made it out and escaped. Like, it wouldn't be that hard to just run. And you think about the prison and how many people got out of the prison alive. Mm. You know, which is, again, basically the, the mirroring scenario. Do A lot know? of people got out alive. Yeah. So, if you're Rick and you're thinking about the fact that these people are going to be running around the landscape... Yeah. What do you think, then, about the whole going back and killing them thing? Well, it makes more sense in that, in that context. But did we get a sense of how many... How many people were there to begin with? And how many people were taken out during the escape? Because I got a feeling it was quite a lot. Yeah, were, I, I, we saw a were lot confirmed now. dead. And I feel like you have to you have to assess the risk as compared to the risk of you know meeting these people, a few of the survivors outside, and them wanting revenge. I mean, the fact remains that it was on fire and it was riddled with walkers. Yeah. It, you know, it would have been hard even to find survivors. Well, so that was my... I, I don't think it's even about the fear that they might want revenge. I think Rick was thinking purely in terms... I mean, I think about, you know, about 70% wanting to take out his revenge on them. Mm. But maybe 30% thinking these people are dangerous in this world. People mm. who are willing to kill other people for food mm. are dangerous in this world. We need to take them down. Yeah, but... Uh, in the same way you put down rabid dogs, you know... Yeah, no, I understand. But I do but think... You've got, you got to weigh that risk yeah. against <laughs> walking back into a walker infested... Well, and, and this is the thing, you know. right? Anyone who is escaping that place has already done so. Yeah. There's no one who's back in Terminus as it's on fire and full of zombies... Yeah. ...who's getting out. Yeah. So, that being so, why go back in there? You know, it doesn't even even if well, you're even sense. if you're on board with Rick's plan, it's a terrible plan. Yeah, silly Rick. Good work, everyone else for saying. But he listened to them though. That yeah, was, yeah, that was the good thing. And it's a big know. shift from the. Full he didn't. Time. He didn't. He didn't go on to this big rant about no, we've got to go back and blah blah. blah. He, oh, and he didn't speechify. Thank fuck. Yeah. In fact, we have no speechifying this. Yeah. This episode. Yeah. No, people just went. Uh, no, Rick, we're not doing that. I also like that the 
now he he is in charge of his group, but the group he's in isn't in char- entirely his group. You know, they are they are in this sort of merger scenario. Yeah, this merger scenario with mm. the Cure team. Yeah. And there is a certain amount of negotiation as a result of that, I feel. Mm. Like, he actually needs to win over the whole team to go do whatever the plan is. Yeah. Which is interesting as well. Yeah. So then, Carol turns up. And it's amazing. Oh, it's lovely, wasn't it? Norman Reedus looks like he gives tremendous hugs. (laughs) He does, that's true. I felt warmed by watching that hug. Yes. I was very satisfied by that reunion. In it was... always. <laughs> <laughs> Not in always, no. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was good. I thought that was done well. I thought that the lack of words was particularly effective. Daryl and Carol's reunion was totally devoid of words. It was and beautiful. I and I thought that it didn't need them at all. It was just I need to hold you. Yeah. And you could just hear as, as if they were acting it loud enough for you to, to, to audibly perceive it. You complete me! <laughs> well, you gotta, you gotta admit, you know, when you put those two types of badass together, oh. it makes a wonderful cocktail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if they made The Expendables 3 with just the two of them, it'd be a much better movie. <laughs> and then, of course, there was the... The Carol and Rick reunion. Yes. Now, I was going to ask about this. I really wondered how they were going to get to a point where I believed he would forgive her. Mm. And this episode did it. It absolutely did it. You broke us out. You are back on the team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she was she has, she has was the means for their escape. And she was the means for Rick's reunion with his daughter. And has been looking after her ever yeah. since they were separated. Yeah. Pretty much. And then they have the reunion scene with the kid, and they're off. Walking the world. With no particular destination in mind. Except the army guys. Well, yeah, because so, so a bunch of them want to head to Washington. Well, I think that's what they meant when Abraham said to Rosita, I'll talk to him, but not just yet. He meant talking to Rick about going to Washington. I wondered, it was remarkably vague. Mm. Like, I wondered if they were even the two of them talking about talking to Mullet Man. Maybe, but... They weren't even clear on who it was they were going to talk to. Yeah, I suppose that's possible. But, I mean, it, there is no indication. If, if it's not talking to Rick about going to Washington, there's no indication about who else or what the issue was. Well, not yet. Like, that's the only thing that we know it could have been about. Oh, certainly. It could have been something else, but we have no idea. We've got nothing to go on. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, we might find out. But that could be the first thing we've got to go on. It could be. Some sort of new line. Yeah. Because they, I felt like they shared a significant look after he gave the cure explanation as well. Hmm. Maybe he left something out. Yeah, so maybe the cure explanation he gave is like the cover explanation. You know, if somebody really insists, this is what you tell them. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of the episode overall? I think the episode was brilliant. 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 With how many R's? With seven R's. Brilliant. <laughs> no, I think I would give it... I'd give it eight out of ten. That yeah. Episode. Yeah. Solid eight? Solid eight, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe even 8.5. Yeah. It was a very strong season opener, I thought. Yeah. I like it. We now have properly established characters. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they don't need to spend heaps of time on character anguish. No. Like, I don't want them to have no character development and no... I don't, I don't want it to just be the Expendables with a bunch of cardboard cutouts bouncing off each other holding guns. No, no. 
But, but now that now that their character is established, now that a large amount of the group's dynamics are established, you can throw them into different situations and focus largely on how do those dynamics play out in this particular context. Exactly. And actually, 8.5 is exactly the score I had come up with in my head as well. A very, very solid 8. Mm. Edging towards 9. That kind of 8.5. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. I was very happy with it. Action-packed. Very much action-packed. I really hope they didn't blow their action budget for the entire season in the first episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, I I don't think so. Because in terms of action, you know, there are... It it is... It was not as action-packed as, say the attack on the prison with the tank, you know, like that was a hundred percent action, you know, apart from the very short lull at the beginning, the whole episode was a fucking fight. Yeah. Whereas this one, you know, it had Carol and Tyrese at the beginning and it had that... The tent scene in the slaughterhouse. The tent scene in the slaughterhouse and the carriage and, you know, that stuff. So When they walked everyone into the slaughterhouse, by the way, and there were the four characters we knew and the three we didn't... I'm, I'm like, like, isn't it convenient that the three we don't know are all at one end? Yeah, yeah. And despite the fact that they were standing behind our friends with knives and bats, they decided to walk to the other end of the town <laughs> to right. begin the killing. Yes. Those three, they were like the dude dressed in blue at the beginning of a Star Trek episode. That's who they were. No, no, dressed in red. Oh, whoever. Yeah, They're yeah. called red shirts. Are they? Okay. Yes, that's actually the... Uh... There is a dude dressed in blue thing, isn't there? No. Not from Star Trek. Oh, well, not that I know of. Well, yeah. The, the Star Trek thing the, is the red shirts. They're the people sent down with Kirk who we don't know. Yeah. Definitely they're, not. They're called red shirts. Okay, red shirts. Because that was the colour of the security officers. So they were they were the ones who always got killed first. Excellent. Yes, red anyway, shirts. So those three, as soon as they appeared, they were the person before the credits. Absolutely. In an episode of Six Feet Under. That's oh, who yes. they were. <laughs> yeah. I also thought it was interesting that they put... Rick at the very end, and... No, 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 he wasn't at the very end, because it was, um... Bob. Yes, he was at the very end. But they couldn't have put Rick in Glenn's position, because then I think there would have been too much certainty that they were going to get out alive, and that none of them were going to die. Whereas with Glenn, there is still a possibility that perhaps he was going to meet his end in, in episode one. Well, so this feeds into my next question, which is, who do you think lives or dies this season? <laughs> Well, I don't really have anything at all to go on, so it's going to be completely Well, there's how much is left of the character. There's Mm. the fact that a lot of the initial team signed five-year contracts. So, for example, I feel like Rick and Carl, it's Mm. pretty hard to see how either of them go. Yeah, no, I don't think they're going to go. I think Judith probably isn't going to go either, considering that they've just been reunited. I I feel like it would cheapen it to then... I can see a scenario, though. I mean, it seems to me that the people who attacked Terminus before them, the rapists... So we know about them. Yeah. I feel like they could be being set up to be this season's opposition, their bad guys, or the bad guys who we meet at the very end of the season. And Mm -hmm. if that's what they're being set up to be, and we're now getting to this point where, okay, we've seen psychopaths who run towns like dictators, we've seen people who eat people... Mm. What makes these people worse? Killing a baby's a pretty good thing. For people who eat people, did we actually see them eat people? I think once you see them hanging torsos... No, 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 I'm not questioning whether they were actually eating people. I mean, that having thrown that into the story, I don't think we actually saw them eat people. What do you think was on the barbecue when they all turned up? Mm. Do you think they're also going out and getting beef? Oh, maybe. A bit of variety. Yeah, no, that, that yeah, that's probably right. But at that point, the audience doesn't know. 
And I feel like it might have had better impact if they'd had a barbecue at the beginning, then we have the reveal that these people are cannibals, and then had another scene in which they maybe the same barbecue, and then you see it again, and then kind of go, oh, oh, you oh, know. Okay. I, th- I feel like that would have had more impact. To actually see them sure. eat to actually see them eat meat with the audience having the knowledge that this is people. Yeah. That is not something that happened. I felt really sure it was people when they turned up and we saw the barbecue. Well, a lot of people felt quite sure it was Beth. <laughs> Beth <laughs> pick you. <laughs> <laughs> Throw another Beth on the barbie. <laughs> Judith has only two purposes, right? To be a symbol of hope. Mm-hmm. Or to be in danger. Yeah. Because she's a symbol of hope. Yes. And it's a really long timeline before she can be anything else. Yes. You know, if we're so talking about... you think about... maybe she's, she's vulnerable to being offed because it's such a long time before she's going to be useful? Yeah, unless they jump the show forward deliberately, like they say, okay, it's three years later or whatever. Yeah. It's a long time before Beth can be anything other than imperiled or a baby. Yeah. So keep it around for, for know, a really for a really big blow to Rick. Yeah, but that's it's a blow that Rick and Carl thought they'd already suffered because they thought Judith was dead. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to wait and see how it actually played out. But I I feel like I've seen that already. I've I've already seen that particular despair event horizon of yeah. Judith being gone. Yeah, but on the other hand, I've now also seen a whole season of her being a baby, and I'm good for that too. Yeah, I, I don't... I, yeah, look, just because of the way they've done it, I feel like Judith dying, even permanently, isn't going to take it anywhere new. Except that it could establish that a new bad guy really was worse than the ones we've That's seen true. before. That's the only thing it's useful for at this stage, as far as I can tell. That's true. Well, in that case, I just hope they don't, because yeah. I, I feel like it's been done. They can't pull the dead baby switcheroo again. No, of course not. They've been to that well. Yeah. If um, she becomes like the guys in Supernatural and is thought to be dead at the end of each season, Repeatedly. Only to find out she's totally fine. Not okay. <laughs> Judith the Risen. Judith Winchester. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's possible, but I, I hope they don't do that. I don't feel like it will have the impact that it should. For Carl and Rick... That has already happened. I don't think it's going to progress their characters, because it can't. They did that thing. They had the whole episode where it was just the two of them, dealing with the fact that Judith is gone. But then again, in six months or a year, say, they wouldn't just go, oh, we already had the grief about this, let's move on. No, but I'm talking about from an audience perspective. It's not something We've already witnessed that grief. It's not something that the audience is going to be interested in seeing again. Yeah. What do you think about a zombie Judith? (laughs) Keep her around just long enough for her to learn to walk. Oh, God. That would be kicking it up a notch. That would be visually amazing. Mmm. I have a certain amount of a yen for a zombie baby. I feel like either Daryl or Carol are going to kick it this season. Because, look, it's a show that's not afraid of killing people. And they would be the most impactful deaths, I think other a, than Rick and Carl. I think that a Carol, Daryl, deciding... Like, I can see a scenario where the whole group was in danger, and someone or someone's needed to stay and keep off a horde while everyone else escaped. You a know, martyr. stay and, and, you know, man the choke point. The self-sacrificial... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They need to T-dog it up. Yeah. And where Carol and Daryl went out together doing that. Yeah. Because both of them are people who have found meaning through, like, and not just not just post-apocalypse, they've found meaning in their lives yeah. through being a part of this group and through 
saving this group. Yep. And I would be a puddly, Gooiness. emotional wreck if Absolutely. they showed that scene, which makes me want to see it. Yeah, I want to see it too, but I don't because that means that they're gone. gone. (laughs) But I think that Daryl and Carol are definitely, after Rick and Carl, they are the next most impactful deaths. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, So, which which makes me think that that either or both of them are, and both of them they're in that same group of people whose whose contracts are about to be up and Mm. been there since the beginning, the original group. So, what do you think about Maggie and Glenn's survival chances? I think they're okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there's still a lot of room for both of them. I think a pregnancy would be interesting mm-hmm. for Maggie, and I think it would develop both of their characters. I mean, we've kind of we have done a pregnancy in the show. Yeah, but with a hated character. Yeah, and, a, and that a, was the difference I was going to draw. I and mean, a potential whose baby is at pregnancy. <laughs> yes. Whereas with Glenn and Maggie, we all know whose baby it will be. <laughs> yes. You know, this is a Herschel's. Fucking hell. You're a sick fuck, Kate. (laughs) You're a sick, sick woman. Just saying, that baby comes out with a white beard. (laughs) And webbed feet. And webbed feet. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so anyway. Even the eyelids. Glenn and Maggie's baby will be gorgeous. Yes. Yes. So anyway, I think a pregnancy. Um, that would be something new to do with their characters. Yeah. I, although I kind of hope they find something else to do, just because. Well, partly partly because we've already seen the pregnancy, and partly because I don't want there to be two babies. I'm not, you know, this can't well, become, this can't become a sort of roving crèche. It could be a pregnancy followed by a miscarriage. Yep. That would be new territory. Traumatic new territory. And territory that there is lots or, of room to have it very believably happen. That oh, absolutely. Know, you know, falling something. over, hitting, getting hit, you know, in the wrong place. Yeah. At the wrong time. You know, this is a fucking dangerous world. Yeah. On you the know, other hand... Then, I mean, there's, then there's the option of the really traumatic stillbirth. Oh, yeah. Zombie baby births. Fuck yeah. Would it be a zombie? Unacceptable. Whoa. I'm not, I'm not with a baby eating its way out of its mother. Whoa, imagine yeah. if it fucking turned into a zombie. It would, I don't think it wouldn't be able to eat its way out of its mother. I want, my zombie babies, I want my zombie babies mobile. <laughs> hmm. So, the other thing that they could do, they are the two characters who could most believably say, we are setting off to look for Beth. Yep, but surely Daryl would go as well. I think he's, there's a good chance he'd go as well. Mm. But Maggie, they could very easily, despite having spent a lot of last season with Maggie not even seeming to ask where Beth was... It all happened off camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was really, she was broken up about it off camera. They could decide, you know, if they got any sort of whiff of where she might be, and half the group was going to Washington and half the group was going after Beth. Yeah. But I mean, I mean that situation people, I can see. Maybe the people that, that took Beth were the same group or part of the same group that took over Terminus. Maybe. And she's currently a sex slave. Maybe. Although they seemed like a keep people in dark rooms kind of group. And yeah. the video we've seen of her is a keep people in hygienic cells kind of group. Mm. Maybe. And they didn't seem very, you know, Nurse Ratchet heavy. When did we see that? In the trailer. The Comic-Con trailer. Oh, I don't remember. The little bit of footage of Beth at the end of it. She's talking to a woman who then slaps her across the face really hard. That's right. So, Glenn and Maggie, I don't know. That's another pair who I would be really upset to see go. Oh, yeah. But on the other hand, I don't know what they're going to do with them from here on out. Hmm. I mean, they could just take the easy option and just kill off the black characters again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Oh, they're starting to get a sort the of... The easy slash racist option. They're starting to get a sort of bulk of them now. Bit of a... A, a bit of a glut. Not a glut. <laughs> you think it's going to be a three-death episode? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, no. All the black characters have died oh, again. Oh, no. AMC. The racist network. The racist network. Okay, let's, so let's get to... What about Bob's chances? I don't know. I don't feel like I know him very well. Yeah, I don't feel that either. I mean, he hasn't been around that long. No. Again, he would be an easy option. He'd be an easy character to kill off. He wouldn't be that impactful. Yeah, yeah. And up until this episode, I wasn't really clear on how he'd survived. He didn't seem as useful and handy as Mm. most of the rest of the group. Mm. He was the one who panicked. Oh, we're trying to get a cure to Washington. Yeah, that's true. But that was in a different scenario. When he got faced with the zombies, he was pretty handy in that fight. So he's probably not who you send in for your negotiating team. <laughs> no. But if you need to send someone off with a two-foot length of piping, mm. you're good to go. So I don't know. Maybe maybe Bob goes. Maybe. I feel like what I'm basically doing is grading them by how much I like them. Yes. And given what else is going on on TV in particular, all sorts of shows are having to up their game in terms of offing main unexpected characters. Yeah. Well... Not all shows are doing that. Not all shows. But, but the, one, show but the ones that face. take themselves seriously. Yeah. Definitely are. Yeah, and you know, I get the impression that in the last season this show has started to actually take itself more seriously. Mm. Well, I mean, I think the characters that we like the most are probably the ones that most people like the most. You know, if, if they weren't originally written that way, they are definitely written that way now. Yeah, yeah. What about Therese and his sister? Survival well, chances. as I said, they're black. No, no, okay, so let's let's assume it's not the world's most racist network. I think Tyrese has got a significant amount of growth to do, mm-hmm. like as a character, which would be interesting. I, I want to see him become the truly useful death machine who doesn't cry about it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to see. Oh no, no, I killed so many people. Like, yeah, that's the world you're in. Get with the program. <laughs> I feel like if he could get past that, I think that he would be awesome. And really interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly, I mean, he would be another ace in the group's sleeve. There aren't many people who can take out a dozen walkers by themselves. Absolutely. He's (laughs) he's the the Joker card up your sleeve. Mm. If you're in any sort of face-off. What about Team Washington? Survival chances? Well, ever since the scientist was introduced, I've kind of been hoping that he'd die because he's so irritating. That makes me feel like I'm going to keep him around, though. <laughs> well, I mean, he won a small trophy in this episode. What did he say? He made us both laugh. I'm not fleet of foot. Yeah. I can't make weapons out of buttons and such. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, something like, oh, well, yes. And then, you know, and then Michonne is like, yeah, but we can. Yeah, I thought that was quite funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose, in a sense, he's there to provide contrast. Yeah. I feel like the mission to get to Washington isn't going to go away. He's sort of almost a bit of a plot point as well, in that he, he oh, drives the plot only, I didn't mean he's only there for contrast. Oh, okay. I think, yeah, absolutely, it's a plot point. But at the moment, he's also functioning as a contrast. That's true. You know, every time he's been anywhere near combat, he's fucked it up royally. Oh, we already shot up the truck. Oh, gosh. What a douche. <laughs> you know, why did he just call out their name? <laughs> you know, oh, no, no, I'll fire this gun. I've got no idea how to handle in the direction of our transport. Well, there was, I remember there was that pretty, I thought, pretty solid theory that he was... Worried they were getting to Washington too, too quickly, quickly, and he doesn't have a cure up his sleeve. Yes, so yes. I better take out the truck. <laughs> yes, 
and pretend it was an accident. <laughs> yes. And maybe it, if he's it got was a, a nice theory. Of, if he's got a history of, you know, having to slow them up every few weeks with a really dumbass accident, they'd probably believe it by now. <laughs> yes, it's a good theory, but I unfortunately I, I genuinely believe he's just that shit now. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely a plot point, but he's also serving at the moment to be the totally other end of the sca- of the spectrum. You know, they're all at the far end of the pragmatic can survive in this world. Yeah. He's at the end where if he was left alone for five minutes, he would be dead. He, yeah. He can't achieve anything on his own That's at all. That's true. He can't even protect himself. Yeah, in a way, introducing him is good in that. It allows them to get into stupid situations. Without having to make one of the supposedly good survivors do the stupid shit. Yes. They, they're not leaving... I mean, Carl's, Carl's not even leaving the house anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's good, because it means that you and I don't have to constantly go, we thought you had this shit sorted. Yeah, didn't you get the fucking memo? Well, no, we saw you get the memo last week. Yeah. What happened? Did you yeah. eat it? <laughs> Did you eat the memo? <laughs> that said, you know how to deal with things now. So that is certainly a a bonus of having him around. You do the stupid stuff so the others can stay clever. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And And, you know, they've got got a couple of characters who have, you know, some sort of fatal flaw in them. Because they've still got Bob's alcoholism, although I would also be perfectly fine if that had been dealt with and they never went back to it. But they've got a couple of people who can make dumb decisions and at least there's a reason for it. Yes. So that kind of deals with everyone. Carl didn't have that much to do this episode, except be part of Team Unrealistic Faith. <laughs> just, let's just call them Team Faith. <laughs> Can we, as I have, we? No, no, as I outlined, it's not that unrealistic. If you look at history, it's a little bit like there's, there's an episode of the original series of Star Trek mm-hmm. where Kirk and Spock are trying to infiltrate a Klingon base. Uh-huh. And Spock estimates their odds of failure at 72%. And Kirk says, oh, that's better than our usual odds. And Spock's like, oh, but I'm, in, I'm factoring in your ability to, get, to, to come through almost impossible odds. <laughs> Which, you know, so... It's a I'm, nice little nod. Yeah. So I, I feel like being genre savvy, we need to go, okay, it's Rick and Daryl. And Glenn, yeah. these are some tough motherfuckers. That's true. If there is a way to get out, they will find it. That's true. Their history mm. supports the idea that they will get away. My concern is that the characters themselves shouldn't be genre savvy. And it actually is... No, I explained why it makes sense. No, no, no. Uh, but the point I'm sort of getting at, I don't mind so much that he said that Carl said that or anything. It is dangerous long term. For Carl to rely on his dad's survival. Yeah, except in this circumstance, assuming that they were going to survive was what got them ready to escape yeah. when they were let out. Yeah, that's true. That It gave them focus. Yeah, they yeah, and you know, they were right Sit around time, going, so, oh my god. Uh. Oh, I'm not saying you should do that, but why wouldn't that group say, the place is under attack from zombies, we don't know if the others are going to survive and get back to us, and it's pretty high odds that they're going to have trouble doing that. Why don't we break out and go? I'm not sure if they could have broken out of the camp. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. But you see what I'm saying. I do, but... I'm not saying they should wallow. I'm glad they didn't freak out and wallow, and I'm glad that Carl and Maggie kept it together and all that jazz. Mm. I'm really making a much more general point, not applying it to today's episode. Mm. 
long term, it is dangerous for Carl to have any sort of blind faith in his father's survival. That's true. Or to rely on that faith. That's true. And it makes me worry about Carl's future. Fair enough. I don't want to see a zombie wearing the hat. (laughs) Do you think they're going to tell the story of Terminus throughout the season? Well, they did do a couple of flashbacks in this episode. It could have been just to demonstrate how different the two groups are. Yeah. How they react differently to these situations. But I don't know, Mike, if it turns out that Beth was picked up by people related to the group that attacked Terminus originally, then it might make sense to tell that story. But I don't know, I'll have to wait and see in the next episode. I think if there are more flashbacks in the next episode, then yes, they're definitely. Oh, certainly. The ones that we saw in this episode could easily just have been to assist the audience in differentiating between Rick's group and the Terminus group. Because we saw that the effect on them was that they took up this ethos of, you know, either you're the butcher or you're the cow. That's what it did to them. Yeah. Whereas, despite the fact that letting the loony guy out of the carriage didn't turn out to be awesome, Glenn made that point when they were debating it saying, you know, we need to do this because this still needs to be who we are. So I think they actually spent quite a lot of time pointing out the differences between the two groups. They've both had shit things done to them, but they've reacted in different ways. Yeah. And one group has turned out to be both tougher and kinder at once. Yeah. You know, it's sort of good message in a way. (laughs) Yeah. It says you need to be pragmatic, you don't need to be psychotic. You can walk right up to Carol, but don't go past. <laughs> Never go full shade. Never go full shade. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> I feel like maybe they are going to show the Terminus story, and for no other reason than otherwise they spent a lot of money on a set that they used for two and a half episodes. Yeah. Whereas this would be a way to use that set, use the people they had there, without the totally ridiculous... I mean, if, if they'd been captured and held by these people for a long period of time, then the contrast in how tough the groups are would have just totally failed. So much of why this this episode worked was that they instantly went into tooling up, they instantly went into escape mode, they instantly went into killing anyone who got in their way. Yep. And that needed to happen instantly for it to work with the with the pace that it did. Yeah. And with the momentum that it had. Whereas they, could, they couldn't have been held for four episodes and talked about how they were going to escape and talked about the fact that it would mean killing some of the guards. No. No, that would have They're been so far two past seasons that ago. Point. Well, they are now, but this is a show that's been fairly shaky in times. There was a danger they were going to come back in and forget everything they'd learnt last season. Mm. Again. Again. <laughs> but that means they didn't use the set or the people for very long. Mm. I feel like it'd be quite interesting to see the Terminus story. Mm. And I also feel like it'd be a very clever way to introduce this group of bad people off main story, introduce how horrible they are and what a threat they are. And then have them turn up later on. As, and then have them turn up. As the main antagonists. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it would be an interesting journey to see the people who were at Terminus originally and, and, and had all those sort of, you know, lofty ideals about it being a place for refuge and sanctuary. Apparently they did genuinely mean it at first. Yeah. But then there was a really sharp 180 in their attitudes towards other people. To cause such a dramatic turnaround, it must have been quite a traumatic experience. Yeah. You know, what was done to them. And we saw a bit of it. And so, like, I don't want to have, like, a three-episode arc like they had with the governor Mm. of just the Terminus people. Mm. But I feel like these little flashes sprinkled throughout the season could be quite an interesting thing to see. 
Did the main Terminus guy, did Gareth... We didn't see Gareth go down, did we? I don't think so, no. So there's a good chance he's still walking about. Mm. Mm. Okay, what was your favourite bit of the episode? Uh, oh, the reunion, of course. The hug? The hug. Okay. The hugs. I think hugs Carol's, Carol's MacGyver act was my favourite part of the whole episode. <laughs> Actually, no, it was the scene where she faced off with the other woman. Have you noticed how Carol is at the centre of all three of these scenes? Yeah, Carol is the best thing about this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember Daryl used to be the best thing about this show. Oh, Daryl's still awesome. I know, but... Just Carol got to do more this season, this yeah. episode. Yeah. I'm sure next episode, when Daryl saves everyone ridiculously... Yeah. We'll think he's the best. I think, look, I, I, I choose I choose the reunions because... You're a big old softie. I am. But also because this show is not listened with... with um, uplifting moments? Up, well, not it's not even uplifting. It's It's... Tenderness. There's yeah. a very, there's very little tenderness in the show. Yeah. And when it doesn't, it does it really well. Some of the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, every time fucking Laurie tied to be tender, everyone was just like, "Can you die now, please? <laughs> please, always. always." And then even once she was dead, she wasn't fucking dead. Oh. We need a more dead. <laughs> more dead. Thank you, Laurie. Yeah. Could you <laughs> you're, be you're, more dead? You're not being corpse-like enough. <laughs> Anyway, I, I yeah, for a show that is a, the show does not have a lot of tenderness in it, yeah. And this particular episode's tenderness was very touching. I thought it was done very well. And I think um, there's that the important thing, particularly when you're trying to illustrate what people are like with any sort of efficiency, mm. you can't just talk about it. You need to show it. Yeah. So it, it was great that Tyrese talked about people as being his friend, mm. and that other guy going friends. I used to have them, you know. Mm. But seeing it being shown it at the end of the episode yeah. with the reunions actually makes it real and drives it home. Yeah. So yeah, that's a pretty good favourite bit. I really liked the Carol, Carol <laughs> other woman face off. Carol, the, what, what did you call it? The, 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 the middle-aged middle lady psycho, psycho face off. <laughs> oh dear. It was pretty great. Well, and you're right, that moment when Carol was looking at her, like, I do not have time for you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I don't have time for your bullshit. There is no Bang! version, no in the version leg. of this. <laughs> there is no version of this where you beat me, and there is no version of this where you don't give me what I want. I don't think she does give her what she wants, though, does she? No, I suppose at the end she doesn't actually say where they are, but no. on the other hand, I don't think she knows. Okay. Well, of course, Carol then doesn't even give her the kindness of a quick death. She just goes... Oh. I've got some friends for you. Here they are. Well, that's the thing. Carol's in. looking at that woman and saying, "This is a place where you lure people so you can kill them and eat them and take their stuff." How how very ironic that you should be eaten now. Yes, yes. <laughs> bye now. <laughs> and that Buckety yes. bye. <laughs> <laughs> the moment she opens the door, has her poncho of horror on, <laughs> and just watches them walk past her and looks back at the woman like, "I am better at this world than you are." Yeah. And you know what? You're not going to get any better. Bye! <laughs> Had your chance. Muffed it. Yeah. What you see over here? Nailing it. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a bit about The Cure. The thing that I find interesting is, what do you think the end of The Cure storyline is in this show? I, th- I don't know. I mean, the show itself has never been about the virus or whatever it is that makes walkers. Yeah. It's never been about that. It's it's no. always been about, you know, what what does living in a world like this mean yeah. for 
our currently established, you know, modes of ethics, you know, what is, is there such a thing as right and wrong anymore? Or have we gotten to the point where being selfish is the only morality that makes sense now? And I feel like if the show was, if it was to shift focus onto, you know, curing it, then it would become a less good show. It's not what the show's about. Yeah. And I also feel like, I mean, I'm, I'm not as, as into the comics and, and Kirkman's stuff as, as some people, but mm. I've read a bit of it and I've read a bit of the stuff that he put out right at the beginning of the comic series or right at the beginning of the TV show. And he explicitly states that this is not about fixing the zombie apocalypse. Mm. You know, this is not a story where you find the safe zone and you're good for life. And this isn't a story where they find the cure and everything goes back to the way it was. This yep. is about... What do you do two years, five years, ten years into a zombie apocalypse? What does the world look like then? Yep. So, yeah, it would be a huge shift if the cure storyline actually played out as as a cure line. So, I mean, yeah. I mean we basically agreed that there's zero chance that they go to Washington and fix things. What do they do with this storyline? I could see a version of the Cure storyline playing out, which doesn't detract from the show as it is now. So if, for example, I mean, in today's episode, the, um, you know, the, the science guy who's rubbish at everything else, when he was talking about the Cure, he was talking about, he was talking about putting all the zombies down. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. All around the world. He seemed to think that was, that was a possibility. Total Cure. Yeah, total Cure. Ev- all, everyone who's dead just stays dead. Yeah. Goes back to being dead. And I think a cure like that would completely derail a large parts of what the show was about because oh, we're yeah. taking away that environmental danger. What if it turns out the cure only stops living people from becoming zombies? So instead what you have is a world in which there are no new zombies anymore. People don't turn when they die, even if you get bitten, say. Yeah. If you've had the cure applied to you. So it's like a vaccine. So it's like a vaccine, yeah. And so, you know, the environmental danger is maintained, but, you know, theoretically over the course of years, the number of zombies goes down because there are no new ones. I guess. I just don't know that that's particularly interesting to see or watch. Well, if, if the goal is what the, what the science guy explains yeah. and they fail to get to that goal and instead make this other milestone, that could be an interesting story. Maybe. I just don't, I don't feel like they get him to Washington. I don't feel like they ever really leave the mm. scene they're in. Well, you know, I mean, the, the, the easiest way of dealing with it is just to make sure he dies. Yeah. Or, I mean, or that group leaves. Or they get to Washington and there's no government to speak of. Washington is just like every other city they've seen. Maybe. I mean, even if that group goes off and gets to Washington and we follow that without the whole group going with them necessarily. Mm. Mm. Although Bob seems to be a true believer, so maybe he goes with them, you know. Mm. Yeah, and they get there and it's totally a wreck. What that would do to them... What do you do in that scenario? I could see that breaking Abraham, for example. Yeah. Well, what if, but what if the group does decide that getting this dude to Washington was, was their purpose now? And then they get there, and as I said, you know, they're, they're, there is nothing left of Washington. You know, that, that is a huge upset, which, yeah. again, forces them to... I feel like that's a replay of the CDC. Maybe. And also, why wouldn't the CDC guy know that Washington was still functioning? I mean, I guess there are scenarios under which he didn't tell them that because it was top secret or, you know. Did he say that this is the only place left or something? Yeah. Right. 
Everything else has stopped. Everyone else has gone down. I think he said something like the French were the last ones he heard from, and that was several weeks ago. Mm. I just feel like this isn't a show about finding the cure. No, it's not. Um, and the cure can act a bit like Judith, in the sense that it's a symbol of hope for people. Mm. And it provides a lot of people with a mission and, a, and something to move towards. Mm. But I don't see them getting very far towards it. Like, yeah. I, I don't even really see them getting to Washington. Although, there could be some really cool visuals of zombie-ridden Washington. <laughs> yeah, look, I think that if the cure becomes a plot point, I think it will become a plot point that would be only satisfying if what they achieved was not what they set out to achieve. So, like, a partial victory, mm. like I sort of explained before. Yeah. Or they just don't achieve it. They fail, I think essentially. They fail. That's the only way. That's the only way in which the story becomes can stay about people and not the cure. Mm. I think there's some very interesting ideas to do with ways... <laughs> it's going to sound really, really vicious. Ways in which Mullet Man dies. If he's captured and killed by someone else, mm. then you have a situation where there's a great deal of a what-if mm. from the people who did believe in it. Mm. But then there's also the, the idea that they all realise he's a fraud at some point. Yeah. And someone... You know the thing that points the most... enough to kill him. The points the most towards him being a fraud. What's that? He doesn't have anything with him. He, he talks about the cure being in his head. Yeah. But the number of scientists that actually retain all of the information necessary to synthesise a cure... Yeah. Like, that's not a thing. You know, that's why they work on laptops and yeah. computers and other stuff. Like, that's probably the biggest indicator that it's not real. Yeah. You know, unless he's... Autistic or something, which There's, to be fair, there he are be. signals that he might be. Yeah, there are signals that he might be, and so in that circumstance, maybe he really does remember exactly how to synthesize a cure. Mm. But that is, to me, the biggest indicator that it's not true. Yeah, because he has no documents. He has he, he's not protecting a laptop. He hasn't got a folder anywhere. The likelihood that he can actually remember all of that stuff is very, very low. I'm working absolutely on the assumption that there isn't a cure, right? And that he is either deluded. Mm. Or he's lying. Yeah. So for me, it's just about how that plays out. Fair enough. So, just to finish off, mm-hmm. Zombie Kill of the Week. I still feel like it was the smushing of the head against the wall with Diane Bar. That That's my Zombie Kill of the Week. Okay. Some of the others were impressive. But not necessarily kills. Not necessarily kills. And I don't think, they, I don't think any of them were quite as gruesome. It was pretty amazing. You know, it was like seeing a soft pumpkin being smushed. Yeah, yeah. It was some amazing work. Do you know what? I think you're probably right. Of the on-screen on screen kills, it would have been pretty amazing to see Tyrese kill three zombies with his bare hands. Yes. And then leave the fourth one skewered. Yes, but we didn't but we get didn't to see, see it. it. Fuck you, Walking Dead. <laughs> How long do you think before we see Beth? I reckon we'll see her next episode. You reckon? Yeah, I think we will. I think it's a good chance. Next episode, we're sort of in no man's land. Mm-hmm. There's no obvious targets. They mm-hmm. could go to Washington, but then if I'm Daryl and Maggie, I'd be really not keen to leave the area and instead to try and find Beth. Mm. Any sign of her. But who knows? I feel like they're going to meet Gareth again, if for no other reason than I'm pretty sure I saw other scenes with him in during the trailer. He, he was a good antagonist. Yeah. He's a bit clinical in, in his execution of what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. Is... you feel like he used to run the most organised bake sales ever. <laughs> I was going to say he strikes me as someone who might have run a morgue, but... Oh, Jesus. Yeah, maybe. 
The only way that he turns up again and isn't just instantly killed is if he turns up with Beth. Could he not just be part of the group that's holding it? Oh, sorry, like he could turn up, but yeah, the only way he turns up to Rick's group again. Yeah. You know, like if they bump into each other in the woods. Yeah. The only way he's not instantly killed is if he's standing alongside Beth and has clearly helped her survive. Fair enough. Or is holding her prisoner. Yeah. I feel like he just gets his throat bit now in that scenario. <laughs> yeah. And gets gutted from balls to brains. <sighs> Jesus. That was an amazing scene. It was an amazing scene. I still can't get over these people don't know who they're messing with. Oh, America, get your shit together. When, you know, was it was it the same episode in which Rick bit someone's throat out? Was it one yeah, before? Yeah, the same one. Yeah. They don't know who they're missing with. Minutes earlier, imminent child rape on screen. Yeah. That's okay, but the word fuck is not. America is fucked up. It is. Do you hear that, America? You're fucked up. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have any feedback, please send it to tppfeedback at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Unless it's cruel. Then you can fuck right off. Bye! Fuckity bye! The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live.
fantastic. That was a good opening. It was very good opening. This school the wrong people. Ah, uh, M ratings. <laughs> Americans. <laughs>